podcast design business, the two welcome. I'm Baker Randy. <laughs> I'm Cocter Dent. Oh no, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the business design podcast, but I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And today we're going international. We're going all the way to Toronto, Canada, where we're going to be speaking with Alex Brown, who has a beard. Yeah, but I mean, it's sort of Canada, right? He's he's taking advantage of the beautiful Canadian summers, but he's really from Michigan these days, right? Well, he lives in Michigan, but yeah, he went home to see his family. Isn't there some meaning for a beard? Like if, if you have a beard, it means like you've got... Anyway, we're talking about beards. We're talking about... Uh, some other weird stuff, startups, uh, hustle, money. Uh, money and well, all sorts of interesting stuff. So this guy, this guy Alex Brown is, well, he's the real thing. I mean, he's built a $10 million business in a year. And that's the real thing. And that story is worth listening to. That and the addiction part, which, which I love, because it comes up again and again, this sort of entrepreneurial addiction, this, this being addicted to the, the process of building these companies. And if you listen right to the end of this, uh, this interview, you're going to hear exactly why the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> so the question we've all been asking, why is that so? We're going to get the answer. The grass is greener, but it might not be as olfactorily pleasing. Maybe. Listen to find out, guys. So nice to talk with you, Alex. Um, I have to say, just right off the bat, uh, beard envy. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's a shadow of its former self, but the nice thing is it just grows right back in. See, you, you didn't actually have to tell the listeners that because they can't see you. So oh, when they when okay. they go online, gotcha. they see that that magical sparkling uh, uh, beard. But so tell us the beard story. So there was the. I mean, we don't know enough about it. So there are a bunch of sort of shaving clubs and this and that. You were one of the founders of one of these startups. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of goes a little bit back before that. A couple friends of myself had started doing crowdfunding projects, and we thought it was this really exciting, amazing new thing where you could dream up a product and make a marketing campaign for it, launch it, and then get the cash to actually go and build the product. Um, so we did that a couple times with varying levels of success and learned a lot. And at the same time, so we kind of built this crew of five of us who were all growing our beards. We lived in one startup house in California starting to get into the natural living lifestyle and we tried beard oils and we were like, wow, this is, this is kind of a cool routine. I've never done anything like this. It's a, a grooming routine for men who don't have one. And there, so there was a lot five, of five guys in California with greasy beards. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I'm Canadian originally. So I moved down there and it ruined winter for me, which is another story. So we kind of saw an opportunity because a lot of the companies didn't have very much scale. So they had kind of artisan products and it would be 30 bucks for an ounce or 20 bucks for an ounce which is a great margin, by the way, something that we learned in doing Dollar Beard Club, we didn't have much of. So we kind of saw the opportunity. We'd been doing these product launches. We had a bit of an agency. We we're doing videos and photos and websites for people and just we knew how to launch things. So we put together everything for a launch, kind of followed in, in the, the footsteps of our predecessor who had the Shave Club and weren't really sure how well received it was going to be. Worked with a contract manufacturer, built up some inventory 
And we had a couple of our advisors uh, were deep into the kind of influencer marketing world. So they were able to secure some, you know, initial fuel for the flames, if you will, when we launched our video and um, launched it the first day. We had some pretty cool results, you know, made a couple hundred sales. We're like, wow, this is cool. Like it's got a, a real business. It's not crowdfunded. We bought the product up front. People are getting it. Uh, we woke up the next day and we had been going viral on Reddit, on Product Hunt. And then from there, we got picked up in like BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, all of these like major news outlets were like, hey, the you know, Dollar Beard Club's finally here. So that was kind of the, the genesis of the company is everyone's dream. This is back in 2015. For those of you who do social media advertising now, you know that there's really no such thing as organic reach anymore. It's all pay to play. So we certainly benefited from the golden era of organic reach. And then, you know, as, as that faded away, we had to learn how to, you know, to bring in customers, other ways to, to buy ads, to pay for our media and to actually learn how to run a real brand. It was really, really successful, really quick. Uh, and it's one thing to make a bunch of sales. It's another thing to fulfill all the orders. So, you know, we got a crash course in having an eight figure business by the end of our first year. Uh, which is a tremendous result. And, you know, we're able to sustain that business. Uh, it's still going under under new ownership. My business partners and I uh, have all exited the business, but it's amazing to see what now it's the Beard Club has has gone on to do and kind of create this routine for men alongside all these other great companies, whom a lot of them we're friends with, actually. We know a bunch of our competitors. Uh, we'll call them good friends of mine because it was really a new category and there was so much room for growth, right? at the height of the beard trend, everybody kind of wanted to try this. And, you know, there was enough for everyone. So it was a really exciting time. So we've got room for growth, greasy beards, and organic reach. I think if this was like 100 years ago, people would be like, ooh, gross. What, what is this conversation about? But I'm, I'm messing around a little bit. So would you say the dollar beard club, the dollar shave club, there had to have been some push off was that part of the idea like hey people without beards shouldn't get all the fun yeah i mean it was uh i think it was just kind of a natural progression like it was an industry that was growing because people at that time a lot of people were sporting beards and what made it so sticky too is we'd make really funny videos and people would you know we'd share the video and someone if if your brother or your cousin or your uncle had a beard you tag them in the video so it had this like viral snowball effect interesting that we used to say this too it's like beards aren't really a trend shaving kind of is like because naturally you know back in the day you'd have to do something to manipulate your beard right whereas it just normally grows so we had all kinds of cool catchphrases like that freaky thing for me is that now the, the beards are a thing but people shave everything else which is not my thing so I, we don't have to go there we're already in a <laughs> sticky situation hey, a there's, there's got to be a business ads, there too yeah. so it's <laughs> true and actually, ma men manscaped has done really well. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard that that men's you know body care and hair care and all that is Skin is care. one of the biggest yeah. booming. Yeah. All of that said, you're not just a greasy beard guy. So um, tell us about how you're building businesses now, what you're doing, what your big vision is for the world, and and everything else. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, some great questions. So. Um, since Beard Club, I did what everybody does and becomes a consultant. Uh, yay, fun. No, um, I was actually, I was able to help uh, different friends who are kind of struggling through a lot of the challenges that we'd worked through and, you know, got to benefit from all the mistakes that I'd made along the way and just kind of help guide people through that. I also created an accelerator program 
and started to take, you know, a cohort of companies through curriculum that I'd, you know, recorded is about 70 hours of online training. Uh, and then we do kind of weekly coaching calls. So I've done, this will be the fourth cohort that's actually launching in September. So I do that in partnership with a university in my hometown. Now they help organize and everything like that, which is great because I found out that I was a really lousy course marketer, uh, another journey. But as fate would have it, a good friend of mine in the industry was looking for someone to come on and help with growth marketing. And uh, he runs an amazing business that I've actually since been a partner in for the last two years and kind of found a new home, completely different customer base. So we sell really amazing, highly effective, non-toxic cleaning products, primarily to moms and grandmas who want to make the best choice for their family and, and limit chemical exposure. So I've kind of swung the pendulum the other way. No more beards, uh, totally different demographic. But what it's kind of shown me is that at the end of the day, the fundamentals of kind of marketing and sales are still the same. It's about, you know, finding out what you're really selling. And for beards, it was confidence and it was being a part of something. And, you know, taking care of yourself is acknowledging you're worth taking care of. And at the end of the day, you know, with, with non-toxic cleaning products, like I said, it's making the right choice for your family. It's peace of mind. You're doing the right thing. And so, you know, you can sell features and benefits and gadgets all day long, but when you strike an emotional chord with someone and you allow them to have an experience with your product that's beyond the product, I think that's kind of like what I've found to be the key. So yeah, same basic principles, totally different uh, markets. And, you know, the, the, the actual way for acquiring customers, like I said, has completely changed. It's not like, hey, put out a viral video. Now it's become really difficult to, to track and measure certain things on social media marketing and advertising. And it's kind of almost taking a step back to the good old days of advertising, to the olden days of advertising, right? Where it's become more difficult to track people and where they've clicked from. So you have to focus more on the story and, and try and reach the right people. And if you reach the right people with the right story, it's to take a look at, you know, how is this backing out on a high level versus is this particular ad for this particular person, right? Like I said, it's really getting acquainted with what the buying triggers are and basically, you know, telling the story the right way. It's a really long-winded answer to that question. I hope there was some value in there for people. <laughs> so I, I want to run back to the beard for just a second. I grew up in the 70s. I was the surfy guy. I had the beard and the hair and all that sort of stuff. In fact, my wife, my first wife, was 10 years after we'd been married before she saw me without a beard. So it was kind of weird. Um, did she? Did she shout? Did she? Did she run out of the room screaming, or was it? Was it an okay she, experience? She actually didn't recognize me. It was really <laughs> very weird. Transformation. Yeah, but your your beard product would not have worked back then because guys were not so much interested in in grooming. It worked at the time when you did it because people were starting to become interested in that so there's a timing element a little Absolutely. bit of luck it's finding the opportunity now you've moved into um if i can green. for a minute I, I think anyone that will say that success doesn't also include luck and timing is very full of themselves i'm the first to admit right. we were at the right time the right place we had the right offer and the right message but there's a lot more to it right so, sorry to you saw the but, opportunity yeah created Absolutely. the right offer, yeah. found the right message, you resonate it with people at the right time in the right place. Now you're doing that with something that's totally different, being laundry detergent. Yeah. What made it's almost to me like there's some sort of connection between the beard and laundry detergent. It's 
It's caring for stuff that you've got. One is your beard, one is your clothes. Was that part of the the journey to go from one product to another, or did you just see another opportunity and a trend and tried to find a way to take advantage? Well, there, there's two parts to it. I, there certainly is a very, very strong opportunity. People are becoming much more mindful of you know the chemicals they're putting in their house, mm-hmm. on their body. So we're seeing all these natural brands come up for deodorant and soap and all this stuff, right? Obviously, really great timing to get into selling cleaning products you know, would have been just before what happened in the spring of 2020, right? So that was, again, just kind of divine timing to have some phenomenal growth for our company. What originally attracted me to it, though, was Story. Uh, my business partner, when he started the business, you know, he started it out because his child was having allergic reactions and they couldn't figure out what it was. And we're going to doctors and his aunt actually was like, hey, have you thought of maybe it could be the laundry detergent? And so that actually figured out what it was. His son had a chemical sensitivity and that kind of started the whole thing off. And that's why a lot of people who are on a health journey, whether it's, you know, hormone issues, endocrine issues, you know, cancer, people that have chemical sensitivities or should be careful around chemicals end up finding us through, through influencers or through communities that we support and that we work with because we have great solutions for them. Beyond just that, you know, what he's been doing with the supply chain is absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, we support over 200 orphans at an orphanage in Mexico, just as a percentage of sales from some of our products. We actually have, one of our products is a, is a dryer, it's called a dryer angel. It's a, an alternative for a dryer sheet. So you put a refill in and it's, all of our products are refillable. It, it sends up your clothes, fluffs them up with essential oils instead of toxic dryer sheets. They're actually handmade by two groups of women. Uh, one group, we support a ministry that helps rescue women from sex trafficking and rehabilitates them. Some of them get sustainable jobs making our product. And same thing with a group in Jamaica. Uh, deaf people, unfortunately, have been historically very marginalized there and seen as defective. And so we've been able to support a village of women, I mentioned the whole village too, where they can you know, make our product and uh, actually you know, get sustainable, meaningful employment from it. So we don't make great margins on those products, but it builds an amazing story, right? So if you're buying Tide laundry detergent, you know, if something else is on sale or if you're super loyal to it, you keep buying it, maybe you won't. If you give ours a try and you open it up and you see the story of like what we're doing, it's like, why would I ever go and buy from this big company again, right? So I really believe that because there's so much noise out there right now, that to have like a conscious brand, a brand that like people see as someone who cares and someone who gives back, is probably one of the most attractive things and a, a really a recipe for success. And the proof is in the pudding. If you look at companies like Patagonia and Tom's, companies that have this business model that gives back in some way, shape or form with its supply chain, with its marketing, that's really the recipe for a great story and fantastic retention. And beyond that, it's like actual customer advocacy of like walking around with, I'm proud to be a member of this club, right? Because in this club, we give back to these people. And all I had to do was buy this t-shirt, buy this laundry detergent. So initially it was the story and also saw that, you know, the timing, the positioning, I saw the grocery stores start to change more and more of the aisles being taken over by the seven generations. And, you know, some of our um, amazing competitors and peers in this industry that are trying to kind of rewrite what we think of like, oh, do we need to have this really strong smelling product for it to work? Well, no, that's just what they've done over the years to help us convince us that it, something's clean when it really has nothing to do with it. So twofold, I guess, the answer. So I first came across the concept of cause marketing back in 
96, 97, thereabouts, I, I met a lady who was the road manager for Phyllis Diller. And she was starting a new business, which was convincing people that they can both increase sales and do good at the same time. So she was doing this cause marketing concept. And it wasn't until Tom's and Patagonia came along that it became really mainstream as a way of both doing good and being good. Clearly, you're doing the same thing. And I love the fact that you tell the story because, well, storytelling is what people remember these days. They don't remember the facts and figures. It's all, it's all story. Well, and I'm not that smart either. So if I tell stories, it's easier for people to relate to me. <laughs> well, there you go. well, you should talk to Kent. He's really good at telling stories. Because he's really not smart. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I know I interrupted again. There is a really good book too, before I forget, um, that actually talks about this business model. And it's called Evolved Enterprise by Yannick Silver. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah, I see you shaking your head, Randy. For those of you listening, Randy is shaking his head. Um, yeah, so it's a really good book and breaks down all these models, like we were saying, Tom's, where it's like buy one, give one, you know, a percentage of sale or, you know, a, a cool story of the the farmer who makes your coffee and you put his face on the bag, some sort of connection, right? And I really do believe it's a, it's the best way to pierce through the noise because anybody can start a brand right now out of their basement with a Shopify store, the barrier to entry is super low. Uh, which means it's also, it's easier to start, but it's harder to get, you know, a position, right? And so to have a position, you got to be able to have something that cuts through the noise. So I'm really curious to kind of ask you about your personal vision. So that 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 product is really neat. And at the end, we'll ask you to kind of uh, send people to the right place. Pretty, pretty neat offer to, you know, get a free product and see if you like it and all that. But I'm curious about you and your story. Just to kind of wrap up our discussion in an interesting way before we get too long-winded. And that is, what's your big vision? I mean, is it this business? Are you going to ride it for a long time? If it's super successful, you're going to hop, sh- you know, jump ship and build another business to be great. What's what's your big picture? What, what are you trying to do for the world? It's a really great, great question that I should probably reflect on a little more. I think our business certainly has the potential to, you know, be a very attractive target down the line for um, a big company to to acquire market share. I'm super happy with where I'm at. I'm actually learning so much day over day. I am using a few choice words every now and again and being quite upset at, at the way things are going. But that's again, that's entrepreneurship, right? It's it, part of the struggle is is part of the beauty. I think in terms of the future, I, uh, you know, really interested in, in starting and having a family. I've been so switched on for the last, you know, well, really the last 15 years, but especially the last seven of just like, you know, 10, 12 hour days. And so I, I love building stuff, but I feel like personally, ideally, I'd like to take the pendulum and swing the other way. Like sometimes this is kind of weird. Everyone who's working the nine to five, uh, I shouldn't say everyone, plenty of people are like fantasize about starting a business. And like having this business and growing an empire, sometimes I sit back and I fantasize about having a nine to five where I can just like literally like close my computer and go home at the end of the day and go like, huh, I'm not going to worry about that till nine. So I don't know that I'm wired that way. I think maybe the grass is greener on the other side. But I do know that like being involved in a business like this that is giving back, that's doing a lot of good in the world. Uh, when I do go through periods of struggle and strife and, and having a hard time or, you know, working myself too much. I realize what it's all for and the impact that it's creating. 
right? And so it gives me, you know, really some, you know, something something that helps me sleep easier at night. It's like, hey, this is all for a purpose. It's not just for money. Uh, money's obviously important and it's great, but it's it's for more than just that. So to to answer your question, I don't really know. And I feel like sometimes I'm I'm addicted to the feeling of not knowing. And other times I, I hate the feeling of not knowing. So what a political answer to, to give to you to say, uh, I'm not really sure what the vision is. But I think the most important thing for me is to try and remind myself that life doesn't begin when you sell your company. It doesn't begin when your company is successful. It's like right here and right now. And I certainly have not figured that out. There are plenty of days where I forget that completely and get wrapped up in the moment, forget to look at the sunset, all that stuff. Um, but for me, I think my my vision would be to to get better at that and being present and, and doing things for right now instead of the future. Because it's really easy when you're building a business to go, when things get to this point, everything's going to be good. Cool. So... I had a really clever way to finish this interview off and it's just gone in one ear out the other and <laughs> it's gone. So we like to keep these sort of short and punchy. You're, oh, I know what I was going to say. Addiction to entrepreneurship is, is a real thing. People like to mm-hmm. stay involved with it. You've built one, you're building another, you've got your thing on the side. So uh, I, there's a suspicion in my mind that there's a, an addiction element to building businesses. And while sometimes you feel like the grass may be greener in a nine to five, I suspect that would not be true in your case. I, I believe so as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, have to, I have to dive in on that because I, I was saving up something really nice, Randy, uh, uh, that my mother told me, and my mom doesn't swear ever, but she thought this joke was so good she had to share it with me, so I'll now share it with you. There's a reason the grass is greener on the other side. It's because they're full of shit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love That's, that. That's great. Got it. I'm cool. stealing so that you from can, mom. You can have that one. You can have that one, Alex. <laughs> Perfect. On the website yeah, I'm actually going to get my copyright attorney on the <laughs> <Yeah>. one here. <laughs> Talking about websites, how can people find you, and who would you like to connect with you? Um... Great question. I like to remain anonymous. No one please contact me. No, um, I have, so I have a website for, you know, kind of the accelerator program consulting work that I, I don't really do a heck of a lot of anymore, but it's e-commerce rockstars, all one word, dot co, dot com was shaken and I was too cheap to buy it. Um, so e-commerce rockstars dot co, you can just email me alex at e-commerce rockstars dot co. And yeah, happy to share whatever I can if, if you guys listening out there if this strikes a chord in any way shape or form you think i can be helpful shoot me an email with some questions and i'll I'll help as much as i can i love love giving back because it in a way kind of reminds me um of of how far i've come sometimes of like just to preface that what i'm saying is i'm not better than anyone i almost every single day all day going like i have no idea what i'm doing how am i going to figure this out like this problem is so monumental and it's kind of been like that for many years so when someone comes to me and like hey this is the problem i have like oh I already went through that. So here's what you do. And I'm like, okay, maybe I do know stuff. Maybe I'm not such an idiot, you know? <laughs> so that's I, what I, you're I, addicted I love answering to, questions and giving back. The buzz. Yeah. The buzz exactly. of saying, oh, I really am smart. And then yeah. you're like, oh, maybe I'm not. I'm smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's also, so there's also your website, uh, mygreenfills.com, right? And, it, and yes. really remarkable the way you were describing it and pretty cool. Thank you. And it's actually uh, so really exciting. I'm not sure when... Uh, You'll be hearing this, uh, but it will be actually trulyfreehome.com soon. We're re- in the midst of rebranding the business. Uh, it's been a Ooh. been quite a project, but we feel it's just a, a much better name. 
Um, so trulyfreehome.com if you want to see what we're up to. Love that. Thank you so much for talking with us. This has been a blast. And, um, you know, be thinking about the grass is greener thing in a different way now. You know, it's it's yeah. smelling, smelling pretty fierce over there, even though the grass is green. A lot of people are full of shit out there, so I, I'll be careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, everyone listening, too. Well, thanks, Alex. That was fabulous. I... I think about serial entrepreneurs, and not because they eat cereal for breakfast, it's because they continually push the envelope, continually do something new, continually find the next thing. And there is an addiction element to that, and it's built into our personalities. And it's exciting when we see somebody actually doing that and, and building great things. So. Hearing your stories were just fabulous. Makes me think about humans in a way, right? So we always talk about humans having kind of, I don't know, more sentience than than uh, other animals and, and reasons for that. We've got religion and, and thought and philosophy and thinking about thinking and all that stuff. But we also have this addiction to entrepreneurship. Some folks just want to create a better thing help people out in a different and new and novel way and be successful at it. Yeah, so if you want to be successful in a new and novel and different way, maybe you should visit our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a free assessment you can see. Take that assessment. That will get you thinking about new and different and exciting ways to make a difference. Or you could spin around three times, jump up in the air twice, do a little dance, kind of say with your lips and then visit crazymba.com. Bye for now.